Chapter Twenty One of Campfire Girls in the Allegheny Mountains. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Campfire Girls in the Allegheny Mountains by Stella M. Francis. Chapter Twenty One. Thirteen Girls in the Mountains. Marion's plea for aid did not reach Clifford and the other Boy Scouts to whom it was addressed without interruption. The latter half of it came in jerked and disjointed phrases, and the tone of utterance was one of extreme fear and distress. Clifford and Ernie Hunter, the leader of the patrol, although amazed beyond description, realized that this appeal for assistance was no idle one, and it was up to them to do something quickly or action on their part might soon be too late. You boys take care of the men in front, and Cliff and I will settle this affair back here, Ernie shouted. Don't let them escape. With these words, the patrol leader seized the latch of the nearest auto door and pressed down on it. As he did this, the door flew open with a heavy swing, and Ernie jumped aside just in time to ward off a body-lunge blow from the fist of a man who sprung out of the machine like a beast, leaping with all fours. In less time than it takes to tell it, two of the men had broken through the cordon of Boy Scouts around the automobile and disappeared in the darkness. The third, Mr. Stanlock's chauffeur, was not so desperately courageous. The menace of two or three gun muzzles held within a few feet of his face was more than he cared to oppose, so he remained a prisoner. Look out, boys, called out Hazel Edwards. There are three more automobiles coming along behind, with desperate men in them. Each of those autos has three girl prisoners in charge of two men, one of them the driver. Miles! You and Hal and Jerry stay here and guard the prisoner and protect the girls against those rascals if they return, Ernie directed. The rest of us will run back a short distance and meet the next machine before they suspect something wrong. As he finished speaking, Ernie led the way, followed by four other boys, back through the snow twenty or thirty yards, and then stopped and listened. A short distance further, they heard a sound the cause of which could not be mistaken. It was the rapid, pulsating chug-chug of an automobile engine. They waited a few minutes, but it appeared to be coming no nearer. The snow has stopped this one too, said Clifford. Come on, and we'll give them a surprise. A few paces farther brought the boys in view of a machine with the engine running idle and no driver visible in front. Naturally, this made them suspicious, and a halt was called for a little circumspection. Then carefully, cautiously, they advanced toward the automobile, keeping nervous watch on all sides to avoid a surprise. They reached the machine which they had been able to locate by the noise of the engine, and found it also deserted, save for the three prisoners bound and gagged in the car. 
While the other four in the party of rescuers kept watch against a surprise, Clifford cut the bonds on the wrists of the girls and removed the gags from their mouths. Where did the villains in charge of this car go? was the first question he put to the released prisoners. They skipped, replied Violet Monday. Two men who had been in the machine ahead came back and said the game was up, that they were discovered by a force of Boy Scouts armed with guns, and they couldn't afford to put up a fight, for even if they won, the whole country would be aroused, and they couldn't hope to carry out their original plans. They went back to warn the other men. No doubt you'll find the other machines abandoned too. All right, said Ernie. You girls stay here in the car and keep warm. We'll be back as soon as we can find the others. The boys found the other two automobiles also abandoned and released six more campfire prisoners. Now let's return and get the head auto started back first. Ernie proposed. This plan was adopted. Arrived at the machine in which Marion, Hazel, and Julietta had been prison passengers, they found a new and important development in affairs. Jake, the chauffeur, had confessed. He had offered to conduct the boys to Helen's place of detention and effect her release if the boys would let him go. It was less than half a mile away. The boys agreed. Clifford suggested that the girls remain in the automobile while the scouts made the proposed raid, but they objected strenuously. In a short time the rest of the girls were brought forward, informed of the plan, and the start was made. All of the girls insisted on taking part in the expedition. In less than half an hour they were at the door of Helen's prison where Jake gave the open sesame knock. An uncouth woman opened the door. Behind her stood a man who proved to be her husband. Jake pushed the astonished pair aside and went directly to the side of the room opposite the entrance and lifted a bar across a door opening into another department. As he opened this door, Marion rushed forward and was first to greet a slender, pale-faced girl, who stepped out eagerly toward her rescuers. "'Helen!' cried the girls in a chorus. Jake slipped out and was seen no more. End of chapter 21